Judgment at the Throne of God, Part 1. Revelation 20, 11 through 15, although we probably won't get past 11 this morning. Let me read it for the context. And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which are written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, the great white throne, verse 11. Interesting that that, uh, this, like many passages, opens up, or many sections of this, of Revelation, opens up with, and I saw, and I saw, and I saw. I mean, it goes way back into, really, chapter 4 and 5, when uh, uh, John first got that vision, was taken up. And it's just a whole series of things that he was allowed to see and allowed to look into these future historical events. And I say that on purpose, future historical events. These are not allegories of things. These are future historical events. Again, John being one of the witnesses, one of the apostles, John says, I saw. I saw. Okay. I mean, the examples are... Like right here, I'll just back up a little bit. In 20 verse 4, he says, I saw thrones and they that sat upon them. You know, 20 verse 1, and I saw an angel coming down from heaven. You know, 1919, you know, and I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war. You know, and then 1911, and I saw the heavens open, okay, and behold, a white horse and he who sat upon it is called faithful and true. So here, I saw, I saw, these are events that, are going to take place in the future. Now, the great white throne, great is the word megas. We use a form of that, mega, like megaton bombs and uh, things like that. It it actually has a wide variety of meanings, such as the size of a thing, huge, mega as in huge, uh, large number, power, superiority, magnificence, etc. It can be used in a variety of ways and uh, depending on the context. Here, Megas most likely refers to the majesty and authority of him who sat upon that throne. Okay, now the white is generally symbolic of God's holiness and righteous judgment. And again, these folks that were talked about in 12 and beyond are, are going to be hauled in front of the judge. Now, here's where it kind of gets a little interesting and where... Commentators kind of run amok. They just go all over the place. It's, it's kind of interesting and fun at the same time. Anyway, him who sat upon it, is, is he the, is the, the him who mentioned, is he the father? Uh, many say that. The son, many hold that view. And as one fellow put it, very possibly the triune God. <laughs> you know, in, so let's, I want to run a, 
just a series of passages that speak of Father, Son, Judge, etc., etc., okay, and the throne, and that whole setting. And you, I, I found it quite interesting, and, well, I put it in here, so I hope you do, too. But I, I, I think it's, it was very enlightening, too. Let's start with Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. We're going to bounce around a little bit, but not a lot. Not to a lot of different places, but uh, back to some of the same books. Revelation 4, 2. Um, <clears throat> where it says, immediately, and this is when John first was pulled up into heaven, where it says, come up here in verse 1, and I will show you what must take place after these things. <clears throat> immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. Now let's compare that with Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to find a lot of parallels. Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 5 says... In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations and the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Right here, we'll pause just for a second, and calling back and forth, Holy Holy, holy, and, and we see here in our Revelation 20 passage where him who sat upon it, upon what? That great white throne, symbolic of holiness and righteousness. And now, back to, back to Revelation, this time chapter 5, and the scene here is, is going to be in heaven. Beginning of verse 1, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look, look into it. And I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy <coughs> to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the thrones and, and with the four living creatures and the elders and, and a lamb standing as if it slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into the earth. 
And he came and he took it, took it out of his hands of him who sat on the throne. <clears throat> and when he had taken the, the book of the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, having each one a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. And here's where the, it comes together here. Worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and didst purchase for God with your blood men of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels surround the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them were, was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb, that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory <coughs> and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them I heard saying to him, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever and ever. Well, I'll just add the 14th while we're here. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down in worship. So here you have it. You, you've got uh, both on the, th you got the, you got two on the throne, one on the throne. It, it becomes very interesting. Now let's compare that with Daniel 7. Think back to we're in, in, in uh, Revelation 5 where no one was found worthy, but then one like a lamb who was slain came before the throne and was given that authority. Keep that in mind as we read Daniel 7, 9 through 14, where it says, I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was, was, like, was like white snow, and his hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were burning of fire. And a, a river of fire was flowing and coming out before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him. That's, that's comparable to the myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands. <coughs> that means a whole bunch. <laughs> that means a number that's almost too great to count. <coughs> The court sat, the books were opened. Then I kept looking because of the sounds of the both. Well, I don't know if we need to go into it. Yeah, let's keep going. <clears throat> and it talks about now the, the future Antichrist. Let's jump down to 13. And I kept looking in the night vision. Behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. <clears throat> and to him was given dominion glory and a kingdom that all peoples nations and men of every language might serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed now think back to what we read about <clears throat> the lamb who purchased men from every tribe kindred tongue nation see that it's so we're talking about together all these verses just flowing back we're talking about really the father and the son in all these passages again i think it it points out the tremendous consistency of scripture 
I mean, way back in Daniel, um, centuries before Christ, and now you have Revelation. And in 13 and 14, where it's that Son of Man came up to the Ancient of Days, and to him was given a kingdom. Now let's look at Revelation 19. And we're in some, should be some pretty familiar territory with the lessons we've been doing so far. Revelation 19, uh, 11 to 21 says, uh, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His, his eyes are like a flame of fire. Where have we seen that before? The, the one on the throne. Eyes of judgment. Flames of fire, true, <clears throat> and in righteousness he judges. His eyes a flame of fire, and his many diadems, those are crowns of the king. Verse 13, and he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Does that sound familiar? In the beginning was what? The Word, okay? And then verse 14 says, the Word became flesh, all right? And the armies which were in heaven and clothed in fine linen, clean white, were following him on white horses, and from his mouth comes a sharp sword that with, with it he may smite the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he tread, as he treads the winepress of the fierce of his wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh his name was written, King of kings and lords of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. He cried with a loud voice saying to all the birds which, are, which fly in the midheaven, come and assemble for the great supper of God. Okay, in order that you may eat the flesh of the kings and the flesh of commanders, the flesh of the mighty men, and the flesh of horses and those who sit on it, and the flesh of all men, both free and slaves and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat upon the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone, and the rest were killed with a sword which came from the mouth of him who sat upon the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. So what we have here is a... The, the start of the fulfillment of uh, Daniel 7, 13, and 14. Gave him the kingdom. And what did he do? He came, knocked off the Antichrist. And what, what immediately follows that tribulation period? The thousand-year millennial kingdom where his, which by, by the way, you've got to look at that thousand-year kingdom. When, when it talks about the kingdom that lasts forever and ever and ever, that thousand-year reign is the first thousand years of his kingdom that lasts forever and ever and ever. People get hung up on, oh, 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 what happened now? You're like, wait a minute, nothing happened. It's going to change. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to just, just kind of morph, revolve, right? Just kind of roll right into that. Because once Christ comes back, that's it. There is no other nation. He is Daniel two, Daniel seven. He is the final empire, period. There is none to follow him. So just keep that in mind. And, be, and while we're doing that, be very thankful we're part of that kingdom, okay? Again, which is in a total different form now, right? It's a total different form now. It, it's not physical at this point. 
Now, let's look at John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Speaking of judgments and judges and such. John chapter 5. 26 and 27 says. I'm going to back up to 25 just to better set the context. Uh, And again, he's he's speaking to his critics. Okay? He's speaking to his critics. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who fear, those who, excuse me, those who hear shall live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. He gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Now, you notice the the is in italics. Your version might even have, instead of the, might have a, an a, uh, the article, a, a son of man. That was in verse 27. 27, 5 John 5, 27. Mm-hmm. Very last line there. What does it have? Um, and he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Okay, the son of man, all right. Yeah, most of them have, the, the, yeah, that's the 95 New American Standard. Trans, translation yes which adopted the 95 <laughs> they didn't change everything okay now <clears throat> it's probably the better reading I think would have uh, well, well let's put this the better reading would be the way it is in the Greek text there is no article, there is no article. so it would read he is son of man and that would be actually more consistent with Daniel, one like a son of man, okay, came before the Ancient of Days, all right? And when you see, again, we've talked about this before, but the son of man, again, is a, is a messianic title, but it's also a title of divinity when applied to Christ, because you go right back, it, it, it just ties right back into Daniel 7. And it's all, and Jesus refers to himself Many, many times, especially like in Matthew, which it majors on the kingdom, Christ king, Christ is the king, you know, the promised king of Israel. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's all over Matthew and, and Mark a lot also. Um, John, it's not in John too much, but this is one of those that's there, but his, his focus is something else. His focus is deity. But anyway, that beside the point, we uh, look at that. He's the son of man. And now let's compare, let's look at John chapter 12. Just keep moving. Every time I get into the Gospel of John, it's hard to just start at one spot. It's hard not to back up or keep going. You know, it's just... Such a magnificent gospel. John 12, I'll, I'll begin at, uh, I'll begin at verse 35. Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, that darkness may not overtake you. 
He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. I mean, that is a basic truth that should be conveyed to anyone that is listening to the word that is as yet not a true believer that, hey, you know, listen up while you have the light, while you hear the word, the word is there. Don't procrastinate on something like this. Anyway, verse 36, while you have the light, believe in the light in order that you may become sons of light. Okay? These things Jesus spoke, and he departed and hid himself from them. But though he had though he had performed many signs before them, yet they were not uh, they were not believing in him, for that the world the, for that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, the Lord who who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this cause they could not believe. For Isaiah said again. He has blinded their eyes, and he hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes, and perceive with their heart, and be converted, and I heal them. <clears throat> These things Isaiah said, because he saw his glory, and he spoke of him. Now, in the context of John 12, now remember, uh, <clears throat> it's, this is real easy to see if you have uh, a red letter Bible, which I'm not promoting or degrading. I think either one's fine. Just to know that every word in here, whether it's in red or black, is very important. Okay, and it's all inspired by God. Every one of it doesn't matter. Some people say, "Well, I just need the red letter on." Yeah, you learn a lot with the red letter, but you're going to miss a lot too. Um, <clears throat> and here'd be an area where you'd miss a lot. John's inspired commentary on what Jesus said is extremely important here. Where he says in verse uh, 40, for, I mean, 3-9, Isaiah, where he quoted Isaiah, and that quotation of Isaiah comes from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 10. And in um, <clears throat> verse 41 goes on to say, these things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and he spoke of him. Well, what did we just read in, in Isaiah 6, 1 through 5? Him. Let's go back there. I know sometimes my uh, memory is actually that short. <laughs> Something 10 minutes ago. Why was that? Like those times, why did I come into this room? Okay, you know, one of those deals. <laughs> don't don't know this. <laughs> But at least you can remember what I'm talking about, and that's a good thing. Okay. John 6, and again, Isaiah 6. See, I just did it. Isaiah 6, in, in the year King Uzziah died, okay, in verse 2. Well, let's just keep the throne of the lofty and exalted. His reign his robe filled the temple. Seraphim stood above him, which are special class of angels, each having six wings. Two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one called to another, saying, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of your glory, of his glory. And the foundations and thresholds tremble in the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, that's, that's Isaiah, then I said, woe is me for I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. <laughs> 
that him, in the context of John 41, is in fact speaking of Jesus. And it was speaking of a time in which Isaiah saw his glory. Uh, <clears throat> again, his glory, context, Jesus. Where do you see his glory? Isaiah 6, 1 through 5. That one upon the throne who the angels were yelling or just saying, they weren't singing, they were saying, shouting, I believe, holy, 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 back and forth, um, was in fact Jesus Christ, a pre-incarnate Christ sitting on that throne. Okay, so you see how, when you, like, you beginning verses of Revelation, you see sitting on the throne, and then the Lamb came up to him sitting on the throne. Well, it's obviously the Father on the throne, the Lamb, Christ, coming up to the throne. Daniel 7, the Ancient of Days, the Father, sitting on the throne. One like a son of man coming up to the throne to inherit and be king over, being kingdom, the last final kingdom. Christ, Messiah. You see how that works. But then again, but here, back in Isaiah again now, you have what John is letting us, cluing us into the fact that that glorious being on the throne was in fact Jesus, the Son. So I, I can kind of go with the people that say, you know, that was a triune God on the throne. But you know, you know, it's, a, you know it's an exact true statement. Whether or not it's the Father or the Son, we can say this for certainty. That is God sitting on that throne. That's the biggest, single biggest takeaway. Because you know what? If it's actually the Father or the Son, is it going to change anything? No. Thankfully, and that's again, <clears throat> our God is a triune God. Now I want to compare one more thing just to throw another uh, monkey wrench in the machinery here. Acts chapter 10. It's really not. It's... You know, I can live with, it's, again, it's one of those, and some pretty stout Bible folks say it's, matter of fact, my <coughs> two of my favorite commentators in Revelation <laughs> say it's the Father. But look at uh, Acts 10.42. Again, this is uh, Peter, remember at the, Cornelius, speaking to the Gentiles. 10.42 says, And he ordained us to preach to the people and solemnly testify that this, speaking of Christ, that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Okay? He is the judge. John 17. Verse 30 and 31. Here we have another. That was Peter. Now here's Paul. You remember his uh, conversation there with the Stoics, I guess you want to call them, on Mars Hill. So that's the scene here. So, so Acts 17, 30 and 31 says, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all everywhere should repent. Another I got that little repent highlighted because so many people say repentance really isn't necessary in terms of a real salvation experience. Well, 
If it's not, somebody needs to clue Peter, Paul, Jesus, and a few other people in on it because they, they say repent, repent, repent. <laughs> it's everywhere. So just thought I'd throw that out there. And why should they repent? Verse 31, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed and furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now, who is that man that he rose from the dead? Let's think. Think a minute. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're back to our Lord, Jesus Christ again. Okay? And so I lean heavy, heavy that that's Jesus sitting on the great white throne. Okay? And you know what? If we find out when we get there as witnesses of this, because I really hope and pray nobody in this room is standing before the white throne. I hope we're in the crowd. Because if you're standing, and we're going to see that next week, if you're standing there, that means it's all too late. There. And now back to Revelation 20. So I thought, I don't know, I found that an interesting study, and I just wanted to share that with you. And... uh, because we never be, we, we may never be there again. I don't know. <laughs> but again, back to Revelation 20, verse 11. You know, I just have to say, this version that I'm reading <clears throat> never has Christ, his name, Jesus, um, capital, like when it says he or him or his, it's not capitalized. I know. Yes, so we just don't we just don't like that style. That's yeah, a, yeah, by, by golly, I'd write them <laughs> and tell them, you you change this thing or I'll never buy another one again. <laughs> well, I have another one. <laughs> Is that an ESV? Yeah, yeah. As for you folks that uh, rather be modern than accurate. Anyway, um, back to Second uh, Peter. <laughs> I, I know, it's fun. <laughs> Nobody's laughing, but it's fun. <clears throat> now, in 11, where it says, I'm going to read verse 11 again of Revelation 20. It says, And I saw a great white throne, him that sat upon it, and whose presence, the, and sent from whose presence earth and heaven fled away. I mean, just like, and no place was found for them. Fled away literally means vanished, as in gone, like out of existence. You mean sitting on that white throne and all of a sudden heaven and earth just gone. The uncreation. No place was found for them, being the them is the earth and the heavens. No place. They're going to go out of existence. Where do we see that? How about Second Peter chapter 3? Second Peter chapter 3. Ten to thirteen says this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, like a thief, excuse me, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought we to be holy to be in holy and and conduct ourselves in holy and conduct and, and godliness? 
looking for the hastening, the coming of the day of the of day of God, on account. It's interesting. Day of the Lord, day of God, interchangeable terms. Okay, on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to His promise, we are looking for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. And you look at Revelation. We won't go back there right now, but you look at Revelation. 20, what follows that passage about the white throne judgment? The new heaven and new earth, chapter 21. It just rolls right from the there into the new heaven and new earth. So in connection with the great white throne judgment is the actual total destruction of the heavens and earth. That is the earth we are on right now. That is the earth that will be around in the millennial kingdom. It'll get a facelift for the millennial kingdom, but still there will be Sin there, remember, at the end, at the very end when Satan is released, okay? Okay, so therefore, that whole thing is going to be totally destroyed and gone. And so the new heaven and new earth will be something that has not, nobody's seen it yet. It's, it's that new. <laughs> so it's, it's coming, it's coming. And very often, um, a lot of times people will get confused with passages in the Old Testament on the millennium that are, and they'll say, oh, that's the new heaven. No, 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 that's not, that's not the new heaven and the new earth. The new heaven and new earth is, it's very, very few things. Are, anyway, but Matthew 5, 18 and Matthew 24, 35, our Lord uh, speaks of the new heaven and new earth. You can look there on your own. You don't need, that's what it's going to say. It's going to be gone. It's the old one's going to be gone. Now that word with a roar, Roizadon. It's um, used only here in the New Testament. It's a it's an onomatopoeic word. You know what an onomatopoeia is? An onomatopoeia is like a word that makes a sound like the the bee went buzz. That's an onomatopoeia. A zipper goes zip. <laughs> you know that's an onomatopoeia. It's it's a word to imitate a sound. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Now, the word was used, again, the word was used, we've got to go into old, ancient, secular Greek writings where it is. It, uh, uh, the word was used for thunder and for the crackling and popping sounds of a fire, you know, that, that the fire makes. It was used also of a rushing sound, like an arrow in flight. Here's an onomatopoeia. And that, that? I defy you to spell that one. <laughs> Or, or sometimes they go yeah. whoosh, you know. Okay, you can you can do a whoosh, but a it's pretty tough. <laughs> also, use the sound of you know rushing wind, even birds in flight, etc. Now, with a roar, and I think that's a good translation, as good as you can get out of a, a word like this. With a roar, indicates this destruction of heavens and earth will be accomplished with tremendous force, producing a great noise, which, quite frankly, I would expect from a holy God. Um, the elements, another word. Stoika, stoikia, literally means ones in a row, things in a row, like the alphabet, A, B, C, D, you know, alphabet, things in a row, okay? Um, and so referring to the elementary principles of Scripture, okay, well, excuse me, it, it is, this word is used in 5.12, Hebrews 5.12, referring to the elementary principles of Scripture, which we won't, we don't have time to go there, but it's just talking about 
Hey, you people should know the basic principles of Scripture by now, but you're dull of hearing. Remember that one, Hebrews 5? That's that one. So caution there without going there. Don't be dull. Um, now, I find it interesting when you're talking about the basic elements, much like the basic elements of our faith are, you know, the God starts with the gospel. Who is Christ? Who is, you know, who is God? Must believe for salvation. The basic principles. The basic elements of creation are what? Atoms. So many believe, and there's, we're not specifically told, but it says, but the elements, it says, will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth with its works will be burned up. Well, the intense heat, what happens when you split an atom? Things warm up. Okay? So it could be that way. It's just like, it's just an, an atomic infusion of all the atoms that, it just... <laughs> And it, it could be that way. You know, I know MacArthur likes to say, oh, it's the Adam's Fine, it could be. It could be. It could be. I mean, Jesus, the, our Lord, who spoke the world into existence, could just say, could just, he didn't even have to say a word, just, and it's, it's just on fire and melts and it's gone. I mean, however he does it, if he uses science or just his sheer brute force, I don't care. But that's what's going to happen. It's going to burn up and melt away and go totally out of existence. That's what we need to take away from this, not his method. But uh, and it's and it says here and it's works. What are the works? Well, that's basically everything that is uh, produced uh, by the earth itself, or even including the works of man. You know, trees produce fruit, et cetera, et cetera. Everything. So everything, the earth, the heavens, and everything on them and in them is just gone. It's just total, total destruction. So, but the one, the, our big takeaway as believers is verse 13. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and new earth. Okay? In which righteousness dwells. See? I mean, right from the start righteousness dwells it doesn't come in at the end like when jesus comes to rule the kingdom it starts that heaven and earth starts that way okay the new heaven new earth there will be zero sin ever in that heaven and earth okay and i thought we might not have time to look there so i just put and we had the room so i put isaiah as a closing thought Where Isaiah 51, 6 and 7 says, Lift up your eyes to the sky, then look to the earth beneath, for the sky will vanish like smoke, and the earth will wear out like a garment, and its inhabitants will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not wane. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, a people whose heart is who, who people in whose heart is my law, that's a reference to believers. Do not fear the reproach of man nor be dismayed at their revelings. It's all a bunch of hot air compared to our future with the Almighty God. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that we are of your kingdom. And again, Lord, as we serve you in this form of the kingdom today, may we be able representatives of that kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.